Uh, man, don't you? I love hearing prayers in other languages. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying, but my heart is saying yes, yes to that. Uh, every tribe, every tongue, every nation uh, worshiping King Jesus. So I hope that you're blessed by that as well. Uh, so that's just to give you a little bit of a picture of some of the things that we're going to be able to do with some of the funds that we've been raising. I know in December we talked about the 100K match and some of the other uh, types of restoration houses and things we'd like to build uh, and ministries we'd like to support. And so we have some good news next week after we get clarity on everything, but things are looking really great. I'm really thankful for your generosity and commitment to what God is doing here. And next week we'll let you know everything that God did in December, uh, but I hope that gives you an idea of some of the real work that God is doing through your generosity uh, to really do what he asked us to do. You know, I've been reading um, Isaiah 58 again recently. It's, this has been a text close to my heart for a while, and the Lord's basically talking to his people, and he's like, I'm tired of your services. Stop sacrificing your animals. This is what I want you to do. Go feed the hungry and open your home to the poor. And he's like, if you do that, if you do that, then I will bless you and my presence will be with you and I will fulfill you and you'll be like a watered garden. You'll be fruitful. Uh, and so what we want to do here is both those things. We want to do our services unto the Lord and we want to bless him and honor him and come together. That is good and holy and right. We want to do that along with doing everything else that he's asked us to do in the world to take care of those who are particularly marginalized and without the help that they need and to do everything we can to do what we can in our little part. Uh, and so we believe that's the heart of God, to care for the orphan and the fatherless, and particularly those that are uh, treated in such a way. And so we're honored. Uh, she sets the example for all of us. Uh, you do the real hard work, and it's a blessing for us to participate with you and other ministries like you and what God is doing. Uh, that's the kind of church we want to be, right? We good? Everybody on the same page? All right. Uh, and so I hope that you're encouraged that God's using your commitment, uh, both with your time and your treasures, your generosity, uh, to bless the world around us. So we're starting our 21-day series um, this day. And so what we do every year to start the year is we take the first 21 days, uh, at least starting with the first Sunday, we take the 21 days and we dedicate it unto the Lord, a time of prayer and fasting. It's a way for us to really reorient our hearts towards him, to reprioritize God as the very best thing, to go back to our first love, to remember the main thing about being a Christian is being in a relationship with God. And that is the priority of what it means to follow Jesus. And so we we want to get back to that place and remember once again why we are here in the first place is not really just to do good things for God, but to enjoy God, to love God, and to love his presence with us. And so that's what we're going to pursue these 21 days. We have these booklets for you. If you didn't get one on the way in, can you raise your hand and hold it up high and we will bring one to you. So Becky will come. Just keep it up until you get one and we'll give this to you. This is very important because you can use it to take notes during the sermons, but you can also use it throughout the week. It has questions for you to think through. You know what's going on, different evaluation questions, and I cannot say this enough. These 21 days can literally change your life. They can change your year. They can reset your direction. The Lord can speak to you in remarkable ways, but you have to give him your time and attention. And one of the things you're not going to be able to do and be successful is just go Sunday to Sunday and hear a sermon. And so once again, I want to say, man shall not live by sermons alone, but every word that comes from God. And this is going to be really helpful to you to make the most of these 21 days to hopefully use these sermons as like a launching pad for you to go into your week and really spend time with the Lord. That's what's going to mark you. Okay. I hope these sermons help, help you. And as much as they are from the Lord, they will. But 
the time that you spend with God on your own to actually think through and process these things and to begin to change some of your habits and the way you spend your time uh, and hearing from the Lord personally by the Holy Spirit in you, man, that's, that's the sauce right there. So I want to encourage you in that. Take this. Please use it. Uh, these 21 days can really be remarkable, and so I'm asking all of us to go all in, okay? Do not do this half-heartedly. Give yourself fully to it. And so we have some, uh, some practical ways to fast, some ideas for you, and so you're like, I don't even know how to pray and fast. What does that even look like? This book is for you. So there's some tips in there, things like fasting from, from certain meals, fasting from social media. Uh, something I always do is fast from social media. I also fast from getting coffee out, okay? No nitro sweet creams from Starbucks for the next 21 days uh, as a way for me to just to steward my money better and reorient my heart to him. So it could be small things like that. Uh, but whatever it is, here's what's most important. It is not spiritual to not eat, Okay? Just not eating or not looking at Instagram is not spiritual. Replacing that activity with something that orients your heart towards God is what makes the difference. Okay? Anybody can just skip a meal. There's nothing powerful in that. But when I skip a meal and I take that 30 minutes or so and I use it to direct my heart towards God in a way that I wouldn't otherwise, that's what's, that's what's working now, you know? I don't go to Starbucks and I save that money and I actually give it to something useful. That's now it makes it useful. You see what I'm saying? And so now, instead of you just trying to be more disciplined or like not do things, that's not the point of fasting. The point of fasting is to replace, replace. And so take a meal off, replace it with time of God, time of God. Take, you know, whatever. So during, like I say, I don't look at, I, I like looking at Twitter. That's where I get my news, okay? If I don't have Twitter, I have no idea what's going on in the world. And so I take these 21 days, though, and I say, instead of looking at Twitter right now, I'm going to open a Bible. I'm just going to redirect that time and attention, and I'm going to replace it with something better. I'm not just going to not look at social media, okay? So that's how you're going to get the most out of this. And I just believe, and I know based off the word of God with all my heart, that if you give God your time and your attention and your focus, and you replace some of these things, which aren't even necessarily bad things. Social media in and of itself isn't inherently bad. Obviously, it can be used for bad things. Uh, eating is a good thing, you know? These are good things. I'm not asking you to stop doing things just because they're bad. But if you take them, you say, I'm going to replace them. So let's say you don't take a meal and you feel the hunger pains. The idea is to then say, well, the way I feel hungry for food, what's more important than food is Jesus. And I want to feel hungry for him. And so, Lord, would you take these hunger pains and would you turn them into hunger pains for you? That's, that's when you begin to really get the most out of it. And I'm just telling you with all my heart, if you do that and you give these 21 days to that, the Lord's going to meet you in a life transformative way. Give him your time, give him your attention, give him your focus, use this to help facilitate that, and the Lord will meet you there. And so I'm asking you to do that with us as we pursue this this time. Uh, mark your calendars, January 22nd, we're gonna do our immerse, which is the way we start our year. At the end of the 21 days, we end it with 12 hours of prayer and worship and scripture reading. Uh, please join us during that day, mark your calendars. I also wanna say that our restores, our Thursday night prayer gatherings that start at 6.30 are gonna be a little different this month, particularly for this cause, and you're not gonna wanna miss it. And so please join us for those. They're gonna be a great time in the presence of God. And so, as I said, these 21 days, we're focusing on and talking a lot about the presence of God. For some of you, that might seem like an ambiguous idea, the presence of God. What does that actually mean? 
uh, if I'm going to pursue the presence of God, what am I actually trying to do? I mean, is that what happens when you get gooseys on your arm, when you're worshiping? You know, like, is the presence of God? Have, what, what do I expect? What does that mean? And I think for many of us, the presence of God sounds great, but it can be kind of ambiguous. You're not quite sure what to expect or what does that look like for you to engage with the presence of God. And I want to simplify it in one sense just to say that you have to remember God is a person. And he has characteristics. He can be spoken to, and he speaks back to you, primarily through the word of God. And now these things happen in a relationship with God. And God is one God revealed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so now just think about this. Think about how the presence of someone in your life affects you. Maybe you're sitting next to someone that you love. Maybe across the row is someone that annoys you. You know, whatever it might be. You're there, you're, you see certain people, you're like, if that person's in the room... This is super awkward. You know, like, I got in a conflict with this person. We haven't resolved that conflict, and I ran into them at the grocery store. And you're like, man, their presence just really changed my trip to the grocery store. It wasn't the grocery store. It was the presence of that person made me feel awkward. It's the presence of my spouse that makes me feel, whoo, you know, or blah. You know, hopefully it's whoo. But it's the presence of this kind of person. It affects how I feel. It affects how I think. It affects how my day goes. Just think about how the presence of particular people in your life or anything about somebody that you admire from afar, a celebrity or somebody that you respect. You say, man, if I actually saw that person in person, their presence, man, that would affect. It would be cool for that because their presence means something to you. Now just take that and apply it to God times a million. God is a person with characteristics. He can show up in particular ways, particularly as he speaks to you through the Bible. And now he ought to affect your feelings, your thoughts, you know, your emotions, the way your day goes. He should have the same effect, but a lot greater, okay? So just to make it more tangible for you as to what does it look like to engage with the presence of God, what can I expect to happen? And so for us to pursue this, this relationship of being face-to-face with God, we're going to look at the life of Moses for the next 21 days because he was described as a man who lived face-to-face with God. So let me give you two texts at the end of Deuteronomy to help you understand these descriptors of Moses' life. Here's Deuteronomy 34.7. It says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated, which are funny words to say he was still full of strength, you know? So when Moses was 120 years old, it's basically saying he was as zealous and as alive as he ever was, which is a wonderful thing to think about as your life is nearing the end here, as you're getting older, to maintain your zeal for the Lord and what God is doing in your life. So that's how Moses ended his life. Now, you ask, how did he get there? Well, here's what it is. Deuteronomy 34.10. How do do I experience the same strength and zeal and vigor for life? Deuteronomy 34.10. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses. Here's how it describes Moses. Whom the Lord knew face to face. So how is it that Moses ended up in a place in his life where even being old and near death, he was full of strength and vigor and zeal. How did that happen? Well, the secret sauce of Moses' life was that he knew the Lord face to face. The secret sauce of life is the presence of God. And that's what we're going to look at today. And that's what I need you to understand about what really gives you zeal, strength, vigor, joy, and fulfillment in life. The thing that you've been looking for your entire life that maybe you haven't even found yet because you haven't believed and trusted in Jesus is the presence of God. It's what you have been looking for. It is what you have been craving. It is the resolution you need to actually have a new year. It is the secret stuff of life. So how many of you have seen Space Jam, the first one? What do we got? 
Man, y'all watch the last service didn't have any either, man. This is a classic. How many of y'all have seen Space Jam 2? Anybody? Okay. It, hey, terrible is a strong word. But um, I did have to explain to my kids, okay, Michael Jordan's the GOAT, which makes Space Jam 1 the best Space Jam. But this Space Jam 2 is fun too, okay? But I don't know if you remember, so I have to explain this to you. In Space Jam 1, Michael Jordan, he, he, he joins up with the Looney Tunes. Does everybody know the Looney Tunes at least? Do I need to walk through this? Okay, everybody knows the Looney Tunes. So Michael Jordan, who's a famous basketball player, everybody got that? Okay, he joins up with the Looney Tunes, and they're fighting the Monstars, for the sake of them not being sent to their planet, okay? So they're trying to save their life. So they get in this game with the monsters. The first half of the game, the monsters are these huge figures, and they're just destroying. They're monsters, you know? They're just destroying the Looney Tunes. They're just beating them up and pulling them apart and doing all these things. They're winning the game by a lot. So the Looney Tunes get into halftime, and they're like, oh, what are we going to do? And Bugs Bunny pulls out this secret stuff. It's a little bottle. It says secret stuff. And he drinks it, and then he gets strong. And then he starts passing it around. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. And everybody drinks the secret stuff. They come out of halftime into the second half after getting the secret stuff. And then they destroy the other team and they win the game. And it's because they had the secret stuff, which, as they found out later, was just water. But it's the mind that changes everything, you know? And so here's what I want you to understand, though. That may be a joke, and it is. But the secret stuff of life, the thing that gives you strength to fight the battles that are ahead, the thing that's going to help you manage the different struggles and trials in your life, the thing that you need, the thing that your heart longs for and is made for, the secret stuff of life is the presence of God. It's an intimate intense relationship with him. It is not a simply going to church and trying to be a nice person version of Christianity. It is an up-close, personal, intense relationship with God. This is what the Lord is offering many of you this morning. What God wants to give you in 2022 is himself and more of himself. Listen to me, the purpose of being a Christian, and you know this, but I want you to think it through, is to have a relationship with God. That's the purpose. The purpose of being a Christian is not primarily to go to church or to be a nice person or to behave well. The purpose of being a Christian is to have a relationship with God. Jesus comes and he fulfills what needs to happen. He dies for your sin. He lives a perfect life. He raises again from the dead so that you can be brought back to God. The purpose of having a relationship with God is to have a relationship with God. A real relationship with God that involves your feelings and your time and your attention and everything about you. And this is what the Lord wants for you. And for some of you, maybe your Christianity has been defined simply by going to church and trying to be a good Christian, which are not bad things. But I hope that gives way this year in these 21 days to a Christianity that's defined by zealous love, all-consuming desire for God. And I hope some of you that may be watching online or listening or maybe a friend brought you say, I'm still not sure about this Christianity stuff. I'm still looking into it, just trying to explore my life. Well, this is what I invite you into. It's not just a belief system, but a relationship with the living God. It's what your heart longs for. It's what you've been looking for everywhere else and you haven't found yet. The secret stuff of life is the presence of God and you only get the presence of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what's on the table this morning for all of us is the secret stuff of life. So as we consider Moses, we first want to consider the end of his life here. He ends his life full of vigor and zeal. He ends his life full of strength. 
and that's because he spent his life face-to-face with God. Now, I want you to consider this question as you begin the new year is this, where is my path of life taking me? I want you to write that down and to consider it. Once again, listen, sermons are only helpful if you try to go think about them and live them out. So I can say this question, you can think about it for two seconds, and it might help you a little bit. But if you leave from today and you go find some space today or this week, and you actually write down an answer to this question, it's really going to help you. Okay, I really want to encourage you to do that. Where is my path of life taking me? Listen to me. The way you are living now is taking you somewhere, and it's making you someone. You are becoming someone. You are going somewhere based off how you're living now. And so ask yourself, if I continue on this track, where do I end up? What do I become? Is my primary emphasis being successful at work? And so if I climb that mountain, what's what's then? If I get to that point, we've talked about this. You spend your whole life trying to be successful, then you're successful, and then you're like, well, what's the point? Or you spend your whole life trying to be successful, you fall off the mountain because you couldn't do it. Either way, you end up in an empty place or you spend your whole life trying to fix it, do this or do that. Fulfill this desire. You think about the fact that you spend very little time with God maybe on a daily basis. Maybe some of you are in this position where you say, I really, I honestly want to love God and I want to be close to God. But if I were to evaluate my life and the time that I spend with him, there's no way that if I continue to do things the way I'm doing them, I'm actually going to end up close to God. I just want you to take a minute and think about it. Some of you may be real earnest. You say, I would like to be close to God. But if I evaluate my life, there's really not much about my life that's going to lead me to get close to God. And so why would I expect to, get clo- to be close to God, which is what I want, if I don't consider where the path of my life is taking me? This is a great question for you to start your new year. You are becoming someone and you are going somewhere based off how you're living now. So where are you going and who are you becoming? This is what you ought to consider. So here's what I want to do. Since these last two years, especially because of COVID and all the things happening in our world, have really gotten a lot of people feeling down. There's a lot of, uh, instead of vigor and zeal, there seems to be a collective sense of blah, you know? It's just, the world is just blah, everybody's just blah, you know? Success is just surviving and making it through the day, you know? This seems to be the case, or, or not getting a, a, an army against you on social media or something. Success is just being like, okay, I'm just, I'm okay. That seems to be the status quo, but that is not the way the Lord wants us to live our life. And so here's what we're after during these 21 days. Hear me close. We are going to go from blah to hurrah. All right? Is everybody ready for that? Turn to your neighbor and say it like you're 12 years old and it's funny. Blah to hurrah. Say blah to hurrah. You're going blah to hurrah. I'm making a rap. We're going blah to hurrah. Okay? This is what we are doing in these 21 days. Okay, you walked in here, blah, bleh, bleh, bleh. And that's reasonable. You might have really good reasons for doing that and feeling that way. I am not shaming that at all. As many of you know, I was very honest with you last fall that there was a great season of blahness in my life that was very bad. Uh, And the Lord has been helping me so much and I'm thankful for that. And so let's say, if you're that way, that's fine. Nobody's shaming you for being that. We all have a sense of blahness about us no matter what because of what we've all been through. And so here's what we wanna do. We want these 21 days to renew the zeal for our life with the Lord. We want to renew the vigor for life and to let that come back to us. We're going to go from blah to hurrah. So how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to spend the next 21 days talking about the secret stuff of life and being face-to-face with God. So now I want to begin to answer some of the questions. Well, what does it look like to be face-to-face with God? How do I live like that? 
Why would I even want to do that? What does that look like for me? And so let me give you a, 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 an analogy that's going to help you understand the difference. First of all, uh, some of us have a relationship with God that's more like a Zoom conversation when the Lord wants to have a relationship with God that's like he's in our living room. Okay, we all know what it's like to talk to someone over Zoom, and we all know what it's like to talk to someone sitting on our couch. We all know what it's like to hang out with our friends over Zoom because you can't see anybody, especially when things were bad. Then we all know what it's like to actually hang out with our friends in a restaurant. We all know what it's like to be with people we love from afar on Zoom. We all know what it's like to be with people we love in person. Every teacher knows what it's like to teach a class on Zoom and to teach a class in person. Every parent knows what it's like to send their kids to school or to have their kids do class on Zoom at home. These things are dramatically different and we've all experienced it enough to know. However, I fear that many of us settle for a Zoom-like relationship with God. He's there and we can see him and we believe in him, but it's not very personal to us. Instead of God being right here with me, it's more like God is over there. Yes, I affirm, yeah, God, God is true, God is good, he's all these things. Yes, Jesus died and rose again, all that. But it's more like, yeah, I believe in God, but if I was to be honest, it's more like God's over there, you know? He's this thing over there. And what God wants to do now is to give us a right here relationship with him. And so my goal and our goal for all of us is to make progress and to go from a Zoom-like relationship with God to a living room-like relationship with God, to go from a God who is over there to a God who is right here with us. That's the goal. And this is an invitation from the Lord because God is the very best thing. We have said this time and time again, but being with the Lord and loving and following Jesus is not just the right thing, but it's the best thing. Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So God is inviting you into something wonderful, not just telling you to do something right. And that's what we're after together as we pursue the presence of God. This is what Moses' life looked like. Exodus 33 says this, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. The secret stuff of Moses' life was the presence of God. And so it may be with us. So let me give you two things as we begin to close that'll help you understand this all the more. Number one, you become what you behold. What does it look like to live face to face? How do I pursue that? How do I evaluate that? Well, here's the first thing. You become like what you behold. Like a mirror reflects the object that's put in front of it, you reflect the things that you put in front of you. Not, I'm sorry to tell you, not a single one of you and myself or any human on the planet is self-determining. You are becoming what is put in front of you or what you put in front of yourself. You become what you behold. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So look at this. This is so wonderful. So we're talking about Moses, and this is a reference to the fact that when Moses used to meet with God face to face, he would come out of that meeting with his face so bright they couldn't even look at him. And so he had to put a veil over his face so he'd actually be with the people. That's how much the presence of God had affected his whole being. And now the Bible comes along and says, with an unveiled face, no longer needing that, we behold the glory of the Lord because of what Christ has done. He's given us access to God. We don't need Moses. We have Jesus. You don't need Pastor Nate. You got Jesus as your mediator for God, the Father. 
And he's saying, now you and I have this direct relationship with God. We don't need a prophet. We don't need a mediator. We got Jesus. And he gives us face-to-face engagement with God. And look at this. As we behold the glory of the Lord, what happens? We become transformed to be like him. From one degree of glory to another. I love this. It isn't like, ooh, all at once, you're, you're ready to go. No, it's day by day, beholding and looking upon the Lord and becoming little by little more like Jesus. It's a process, and it's progress. But you become what you behold. You are a byproduct of what you love. I want you to consider this for a moment, because some of you might be saying, well, Moses was a prophet, Moses had a very unique role in the Bible, if you know what his role was. Moses was a very unique, I mean, how are we going to compare my life to Moses? Well, here's what I want you to know theologically, is that you, in, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have more access to God than Moses ever did. Let me explain. Number one, Moses didn't have yet. Jesus died and risen again for him. That hadn't happened in time in history. God knew it would happen, but it hadn't happened yet. Moses didn't have that to look to and say, wow, that's encouraging. You know what else Moses didn't have? The thing that's given to Christians who believe and trust in Christ is called the Holy Spirit. And what happened in the Old Testament was the Holy Spirit would come and go. Even David, the great King David, when he screwed up big time, he prayed, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He had to be worried about that. The Holy Spirit would come and go. But in the New Testament, the Bible says the Holy Spirit seals our salvation and God dwells in us. And so now, instead of God being beside me, he's in me. Moses could look at God face to face, but now God lives in you. You, Christian, believer in Jesus Christ, have more access to God than Moses ever did. Moses would be jealous of you. He's not, because he's in heaven right now, so he's got great access. But if somebody told him what it was like to be a Christian thousands of years after he lived, he'd be like, wow. That must be pretty amazing. And you're looking back saying, wow, it must be nice to be Moses. And Moses would be thinking, oh, it must be nice to be you. So get it right theologically and biblically. You got so much access to God because of what Christ has done to break the veil and to remove what's in the way, your sin, to give you access to a relationship with God. Here's what else I want you to understand. This is very uh, theological, but also practical about how you're going to live your life this year. So 1 John 3, 2 through 3 says this. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, get this, we shall be like him. Hold that. Why? Why shall we be like him? Here. Because, circle that, we shall see him as he is. You see? How do I become like Jesus in 2022? To look at him. This is so wonderful. Look what's happening. What is, what is God asking of you? Why are people, look at this. Why are people in heaven perfectly pure? Why is it? When he, when he appears, we shall be like him. Why? Why are you perfect in heaven? Why is there perfect purity in heaven? Why is everything perfect in heaven? There's perfect purity in heaven because there's perfect clarity of Jesus. And we become what we behold. You will be like him. Why? Because you will see him as he is. 
And right now the Bible says we see through a mirror dimly, like it's sort of, we get pieces and we can understand enough and God has given us enough information, but we don't see Jesus like he is, not like he really is in all of his glory. And when you get into heaven, you're gonna see him as he is. And that's why there's no temptation and no sin and no problems because there's nothing else to do. There's just Jesus. And as you see him, you become like him. So you take that heavenly principle. How does heaven operate? There's perfect purity because there's perfect clarity. You grab that and you bring it down into earth. And then you say purity of life comes from clarity of Christ. To see him is to become like him. So how do you gain purity of heart this year? How do you overcome that sin struggle and bad habit that's been bothering you? How do you make progress in your holiness and your Christian life this year? How do you finally get victory in certain areas of your life? It's not because you try harder, do better, become more disciplined, get more motivation. No, no, no. It's going to be because you have a clearer sight of Jesus. I'm telling you, I want to free you up. We get the Christian life so backwards to say, okay, I got to try harder. I got to attack this. I got to do better. Man, 2022, I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder and I'm going to do all the right things. And we spend way more time thinking about what we can do for God instead of what God can do for you. The emphasis of the Bible and the emphasis of being a Christian is not what you can do for God. It's what Jesus does for you. And now, what is the invitation to holiness? God looks at your sin struggle. You look at your bad habits. You look at that struggle, the mental health struggle. You look at the difficulties in your life, things you feel like you can't overcome. And if I came here and I said, try harder, do better, you'd be like, ugh. And that's not what God does, though. God looks at that, and then he looks at you, and he says, just look at me. How do you overcome? Just look at me. Look at me. Look at me. That's the invitation from God to you. Isn't that you would do better for him, but that you would look at him. And the Bible tells us he's the most majestic, most beautiful, most wonderful, glorious, holy, perfectly pure being in the world. Why would we want to look anywhere else? That's the invitation from the Lord, is not that your 2022 would be better because you tried harder, but it would be better because you looked more at him. Victory and purity comes from clarity. So how clearly do you see Jesus? The answer to that is going to be based off how often you spend time with him. I cannot emphasize enough that you become what you behold. And if you would like to become more like Jesus, it's not gonna be because you tried harder to fight against your sin. It's gonna be because you spent more time beholding him. The Bible talks this way all the time, right? Mary and Martha, Martha's serving. She's trying real hard for Jesus. Mary's just literally sitting at his feet, looking at him. And Jesus looks at both of him, both of them, and he says, Mary has chosen the better thing. King David, who had the whole world at his fingertips, any pleasure he could imagine, said in Psalm 27, 4, there is one thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. He could have any woman, any treasure, any material possession he wanted in the world. And the one thing he asked for is that he could look at Jesus. You become what you behold. And victory is not going to come because you tried harder and got more disciplined in 2022. It's going to be because you spent more time looking at Christ. That's the invitation. 
come on, look at him. That's all God is saying to you. Just look at me. I'm beautiful. Look at me. If somebody came up to me and said, I want you to spend your entire day just looking at your wife. I'd be like, oh, man, you know. I'd be like, are you kidding me? Great. She's beautiful. I love her. That's awesome. I could do that. I'd be like, oh, you're asking me to do one more thing. <laughs> no. And that's what God's coming to you. And you have this, we have this weird idea. God's coming and asking you, do better and you try harder and you get it. And the first thing God says, he looks at you as his beloved son and daughter and he just says, look at me. Enjoy me. I'm beautiful. I'm wonderful. I'm holy. I'm perfect. I'm pure. Look at me. And the Bible says that as you look at him, you will become like him. And that's where you're going to find victory. Your problems and your sin struggles are not so much about what you are doing and looking at, but what you are not doing and looking at. You have put all the emphasis on the bad things that you do and the things that you need to do to overcome the bad things that you do, rather than putting all the emphasis on doing the thing the Lord has asked you to do, which is to look at him and allowing that to be the power that pushes you away from the other thing. You spend all your time thinking about what you're doing wrong, and you need to spend more time thinking about what Jesus has done right, not about what you can do right. So it's not about what you can do for Jesus, it's about what Jesus can do for you. Look at him. Number two, so that's when, number one is you become what you behold. Number two, when you live face to face, you will go strength to strength. This is the blah to hurrah, and it has Bible for it, okay? So not just a, a phrase, Nate phrase. Psalm 84 says this, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, okay? Face to face, that's what it basically saying. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, which is like a metaphor to say, it's not just the road that leads to the actual temple, but in your heart, there's a highway to God because your heart is directed and oriented towards him. So there's an actual highway to Zion, and there's a highway in your heart to the Lord. That's what he's saying. Your heart is a highway. It's a pathway to Jesus. What do these people do? These people that live face to face, that sing God's praise, that dwell in his house, that have hearts oriented towards him, what happens to them? Here it is. They go from strength to strength. So how do I increase in zeal and vigor and strength this year? How can I make progress how can I do that? Well, the answer isn't, once again, to look in yourself and see how you can better yourself. The answer is to look at him. Those who dwell in the house of God, sing God's praise, and have hearts oriented towards him, those are the people who go from strength to strength. And maybe you have gone from strength to weakness because you have thought more about what you can do for God and less about what Jesus can do for you. Or maybe you have gone from strength to weakness because you have directed your heart towards other loves. And you may say with your mouth that you love God, and you may mean it, but your time and your energy is directed towards other loves. And the path that your life is taking now is not one that leads to more clarity and love for Jesus. And it may be a sneaky one, because you're not out wiling out every day. But little by little, you're just choosing something other than God. And I want to encourage you to come back to him 
do you hear all this? This isn't like a whip, okay? This isn't like getting up here and saying, okay, all you Christians, whew, go spend more time with God. Okay, all you non-Christians, believe in Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Some people, this is an invitation. It's an opportunity. It's like, okay, let's go eat some ice cream. Okay, let's go to a fun house. Okay, let's all go to Hawaii together. You see what Jesus is saying? Okay, this is an invitation. Come to me. Look at me. I'm beautiful. Spend time with me. I'm perfectly pure. Love me. I will never let you down. Spend time with me and I will satisfy your heart. Come to me and I will save you. This is what God is offering you today. This is the real Christianity that the Lord wants for you. This is the secret stuff of life. You become what you behold, and when you live face to face, you will go strength to strength. So as we close, here are five questions I want you to write down, and I want you to spend time answering this week. These questions are here to begin our series to help you evaluate where you are currently at in terms of your pursuit of the presence of God. Once again, this will only be helpful if you go do it. Please, I want to help all of us. I need to do it myself. Number one, what do I think about the most? These are very simple questions, but you need to think them through. It might instinctively come to the surface, but I'll ask one thing. Or it might be something you need to process. What do I think about the most? What consumes my mind? And I'm not just helping. I don't want you to just be aware of the bad things. I just want you to think about what, what do I think about the most. It could be good. It could be bad. What do I think about the most? This is to help you evaluate where you're at with prioritizing the presence of God. Number two, what do I look at the most? What do I look at the most? For most of us, it probably is the phone. What do I look at the most? But maybe it's some TV show. Maybe it's just something else. Maybe it's something you really ought to not be looking at. Maybe it's another person. I don't know. What do I look at the most? Where do I fix my eyes? Number three, what do I listen to the most? Now, once again, it should be real practical. This is not, it's a spiritual exercise, but it's also a practical one. Is it a podcast? Is it a YouTube channel? Is it someone else's opinions of me, you know? I listen to those things most. I worry the most about what people think of me. And what kind of music, you know? Just be real practical. You have to remember in life, nothing is neutral. Nothing. Everything is directing you towards Christ or away from him. Everything. Literally Everything. That's number three. Number four, who do I enjoy spending time with the most? Now, don't say God unless you really mean it, okay? Just be honest. Could be your spouse, best friend, whatever, your kids, when they're being good, you know. That's a joke. All right. Number five, what do I think it means to spend time in God's presence? What do I think it means to spend time in God's presence? For just for you to evaluate Is this ambiguous to me? Is it clear to me? What do I expect? What does it look like to spend time in God's presence? Take those five questions. Think them through this week. Please answer them this week so that by the end of the 21 days, you can kind of see how far the Lord has brought you, and it'll help encourage your faith. So let's pray, and let's respond to the Lord with song. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to pursue your presence, and we thank you that you've given us access through faith in Jesus Christ pray for every single person here who has yet to put their faith in Christ, that you would call them to yourself today, that you would press upon their heart, Lord, that they would turn to you and be saved. I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would not settle for a Zoom-like relationship with you, that you would give us an in-person, right here, right now, intense, intimate relationship with you. Help us to grow and make progress in that this year, Lord. We thank you. We pray these 21 days would mark us, Lord, as your people who are dedicated to your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's respond to the Lord together.